Welcome to the Finding True Health Podcast. Are you ready to reject diet culture without rejecting your health? Do you want to feel a sense of peace around food and your body while also creating habits that will help you feel your best each day? Hey, I'm Jenna, a registered dietitian, a committed follower of Jesus Christ, and a middle-aged mom. Not long ago, I felt like I was at war with my body. I believed I needed to reach some arbitrary goal weight to be healthy and happy. But one day, God helped me realize that I was focused on the wrong thing. So I began to treat my body with the love and respect it deserves through both my thoughts and my actions. And that new focus has made all of the difference. Now I love helping other women find true health for themselves so they can enjoy more energy, better moods, and greater peace in their own lives. I'm excited to get started, so let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Finding True Health Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, before we dive in, I want to just give you a quick reminder to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. That helps me with statistics and algorithms and stuff, and it helps you so that you don't miss anything here on the podcast. And while you're at it, if you want to rate and even review the podcast, that really, really helps me in many ways. And it's a way that you can thank me for the time and effort I put into the, this podcast if you would like. And I truly, truly appreciate that. And, and thank you to everybody who already has done that for me. I really appreciate it. All right, on to the topic of emotional eating. This is a big topic. I obviously am not going to be able to cover everything about this topic in one podcast episode. I actually have an entire module on emotional eating in my online course. So we're really just going to be able to kind of scratch the surface here. But I still think and hope that you will find this episode really useful. And of course, if you would like my help diving much deeper into this topic, then you can check out my online course at jennawaite.com. Remember, weight is spelled W-A-I-T-E. So it's jennawaite.com slash programs. And I would love for you to join me there. So first off, if you struggle with emotional eating, please, please know that you are not alone. This is one of the most common things that I hear from women that they are struggling with. And there are lots of reasons for that. Many of us really have been conditioned from a really young age to pair food with feelings. And this can look all different ways depending on how we were raised. If you want to go back to episode number 69, I talk about identifying your food story. And oftentimes when we look back at our food story over our life, we can kind of see where maybe some of these emotional eating ties came from. But just know it's really common. And I think a lot of times it kind of happens naturally, even if we weren't conditioned or necessarily taught to do it. I remember when my youngest, Elaine, was two years old, so just a few years ago, whenever she would get upset, she would ask for some milk. And she would say, milk will feel me better. <laughs> Somehow a sippy cup full of milk had become her comfort food. And of course, we know that the milk wouldn't really cause her problems to go away. Though milk, interestingly, milk does contain something called tryptophan, which is kind of a calming agent. It actually stimulates the neurotransmitter serotonin, which can help calm us down. So there is some science there. But I think more than that, it was really the association that she'd made. 
she'd learned that an effective way to calm herself down when she was upset was to drink some milk. And interestingly, other foods that we often associate with comfort, such as ice cream and chocolate, they also do have some physical properties in them that kind of create this calm feeling and, and stimulate these hormones. But I think that the emotional connection that we've associated with them, again, often starting really early in childhood even, is quite possibly a greater cause of that association than any physical properties that the, the food has. So again, just know this is normal. This is super common. I think that a little emotional eating here and there really is not a big problem. And I personally don't think that it's realistic to expect ourselves to completely eliminate all forms of emotional eating. That's why in the title of this podcast episode, I said, limit emotional eating and not eliminate emotional eating. But obviously the issue comes when we turn to food regularly as a way to cope with emotions. I used to think that I didn't really have a problem with emotional eating because I didn't usually turn to food when I was sad. In fact, I generally lose my appetite when I, I'm sad. And to me, emotional eating looked like the girl who got dumped, and so she would sit on the couch crying into her carton of ice cream. And I never really related to that. But then, as I learned more about this topic, I learned that emotional eating really extends far beyond just eating when we're upset or when we're sad. It really hadn't dawned on me that boredom is an emotion. And I definitely used to eat when I was bored, as a child and as an adult. And then once I realized that and I started paying more attention to other times I might be eating in response to emotions, I realized that I also tended to use food to cope with stress fairly often. And I would munch on food when I was working on something that I really didn't want to or that took a lot of concentration and brain power and would use food as a way to kind of relax when I was doing something hard. In fact, as a, a teenager, I remember when I had to sit down and practice a song that was really difficult on the harp, I would grab a handful of chocolate chips or M&Ms or any other sort of snack and, and put them on my music stand next to my sheet music. And I would just munch on them as I was working on the difficult song as a way to bring a little bit of enjoyment into the practice session that, that I didn't really didn't want to do. I've also recognized, especially as an adult, that I tend to turn to food when I'm tired. So the more I really started paying attention to my habits, I started to realize that I really did engage in emotional eating a lot more often than I thought in different ways than I had originally kind of pictured what, what it meant to eat emotionally. So why do we use food to cope with emotions? I think there are a few reasons for this. Number one reason I could think of is that it just becomes conditioning. It becomes a habit. Kind of like with my daughter when she was two, you just kind of automatically turn to food in response to certain emotions or during certain situations. My other daughter, who is 12 years old right now, she has somehow gotten into the habit of asking for a treat after pretty much every like performance or practice or event or special occasion of any sort, any activity kind of done outside of the house, she has come to associate treats with those. So as we're driving home from one of these events, she will almost always ask to go out and get ice cream or go get a treat of some sort. So we're trying to work on breaking that habit and that routine of hers. But 
these kind of conditioned responses can come from any number of things. Another reason that we often use food to cope with emotions is that we're trying to use that food as a quick fix. The temporary dopamine hit that we get distracts us momentarily, and it does help us feel better, at least in the moment, while we're eating the food and maybe for just a minute afterwards. But as we know, unfortunately, it does nothing to solve for the actual emotion or the cause of the emotion or the situation. And it often leaves us feeling even worse in the long run. A third reason we eat emotionally is that we haven't really learned how to feel our feelings and how to navigate emotions, particularly difficult ones, in healthy ways. So we tend to resist those emotions, which just makes them stronger. In fact, I've heard the saying that when you resist an emotion, then you just send it down to the basement where it does push-ups until it resurfaces again later, even stronger this time. And often it's a cycle. Then we resist it. We send it back down. It does more push-ups. It comes up stronger. And we have never really learned how to just sit with that emotion, how to feel it, how to let it pass through our body so that it does its job, it does what it came to do, and then it leaves and it doesn't keep popping up over and over and stronger and stronger. So those are just a few reasons that you might find yourself eating for emotional reasons. Now let's talk about what we do when we find ourselves in this situation where we're eating emotionally. How can we limit these situations and navigate them in a healthy way? Well, first, I think it is extremely important to just become aware. Become aware of when and why you tend to eat emotionally, what's going on under the surface, Next time you find yourself eating when you aren't hungry, then simply pause and observe, as always, without judgment, but observe what are, what's going on in your head. What are you thinking in that moment? What are you feeling? What emotions are coming up? Are you trying to avoid feeling some sort of an uncomfortable emotion, or are you trying to avoid maybe doing an uncomfortable task? Did a certain thought trigger a feeling that you're trying to distract yourself from maybe? Or did something happen earlier in the day or even the day before or far in the past that you're upset about and that you're thinking about now and you're trying to distract yourself or get away from those emotions? Are you just bored? Are you looking for a way to relax? There are so many reasons you might be turning to food in that moment And we really can't gain much leverage over our emotional eating until we slow down and pause and take a minute to really assess what's going on. It can be really helpful to keep a food and feelings journal for a little while. Every time you find yourself emotionally eating, just jot down what you're thinking, how you're feeling, what behaviors you're engaging in, what foods you're drawn to, just to gain that awareness. And... I would say do that for a while before you even try to change anything, before you try to fix anything. Just take some time to gain that awareness. Now, once you know why you are turning to food, maybe in that particular moment or just in situations that you often struggle with emotional eating, now you're able to make an informed choice going forward. And a really useful and important question to ask yourself at this point is, what is it that I really need right now? My brain is telling me I need some chocolate chips, 
but what will truly solve for the emotion that I'm feeling? If you find you're eating out of boredom, then what you really need is to find an activity to help fill that boredom, and that isn't going to harm your health down the road. If you are using food as a distraction or to procrastinate doing something that you don't really want to do, then what you really really need is a strategy to move forward and do that activity that you're trying to run away from. Now, I know it might feel like what you really need in that moment is that chocolate chip cookie, and that if you don't get it, you might die. Your brain is going to tell you that. Because often when we're in a state of heightened emotion, then we're tuned more into that monkey brain portion. We're not necessarily using our prefrontal cortex or our reasoning portion of our brain. We're using the, what I sometimes call the toddler portion of our brain, the one that wants the instant gratification, that wants the easy way out, that isn't thinking of long-term effects. And so it can be really, really hard in these moments to move from that lower brain to the higher brain. But something that's really useful to keep in mind is that research actually shows that the pleasure you get from eating comfort foods and soothing your emotions through food lasts on average only three minutes. (laughs) So if you can just remind that monkey brain that, yes, this will make me feel better for three minutes. And then I'm going to feel just as bad as I did before or worse. And it's really not going to fix what's going on here. That can kind of help bring things into perspective. And you can even ask yourself, huh, well, what would make me feel better for longer than three minutes? And I'll bet you can come up with a lot of other activities that are going to provide relief for much longer than just a few minutes. Now, if you have identified why you're eating emotionally and you find that it's because you're using food as a way to cope with an uncomfortable emotion, oftentimes in this situation, the best solution is to stop resisting the emotion, like I mentioned earlier, and learn how to process it in a healthy way. In the intuitive eating world, this is described as coping with your emotions with kindness. It's actually principle seven in in the 10 principles of intuitive eating. And this is a skill that most of us were not taught as kids or as adults. But I'm actually really happy to see that it is being taught more and more in schools. I've noticed with my kids, they're having these lessons on improving emotional intelligence, or sometimes it's called emotional quotient, EQ. And they are, at least here in in my area, in our schools, they are teaching kids how to handle and to um, navigate some of these more difficult emotions. And part of that includes just learning how to sit with it, how to feel it within our bodies, notice what's going on in our bodies, where are we feeling tight, where are we feeling hot or cold, how is the emotion moving through us. We can notice any thoughts coming up as we process these emotions and just allow the emotion and the hormones that that emotion is releasing to work its way through our bodies and kind of do the job that it came to do. Because even uncomfortable emotions, what we oftentimes refer to as negative emotions, they serve a purpose. They're there for a reason. We resist them because they don't feel great, but it's simply our body trying to send us a signal and trying to tell us something. And if we listen to that signal instead of resist it, then 
it can be really helpful and it allows our body to then calm down because it knows it's given us the message that it needed to give and it can then go away. Now, there are several methods for learning how to cope with emotions. I like to teach my clients something called the ruler method. This was a method developed by Dr. Brackett. He's actually the founding director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, and he uses the acronym RULER to stand for Recognize, Understand, Label, Express, and Regulate. And unfortunately, I don't have time to dive deep into each of those steps right now, but Dr. Brackett wrote a whole book on his method called Permission to Feel, if you're interested in checking that out. Or once again, you can always join me in my online program and I can walk you through the method. But basically, it's a way to pinpoint where the emotions are coming from, really label them, and then find healthy ways of expressing those emotions, maybe with talking to someone or writing in your journal or if you need to express them physically somehow through crying or getting out on a walk or something. And then how to regulate them, how different breathing techniques, um, there are different strategies, there are things called forward-looking strategies, attention-shifting strategies, different self-soothing ideas, things like that, that that can help you regulate those emotions so that you don't feel the need to turn to food to help regulate them. So once we have become aware of why we're emotionally eating, we've made an informed choice about how to navigate the emotions that we're feeling and the situations that led us there. We have processed any emotion as needed. We've expressed and regulated it. After we're kind of through the moment and are kind of out of the woods, as you might say, then the last step I recommend is to make a plan for the future. Chances are that situation is going to come up again or something similar. If you have kept your food and feelings journal and you notice that every time I get stressed, I turn to food or often when I'm tired, I grab some sugar or you find some consistencies, some times that you consistently turn to food due to certain emotions or triggers or situations, then it can be so helpful to make a plan ahead of time for what you would like to do the next time that that situation arises, because we know it's going to. You're going to get tired again. You're going to get stressed again. These are parts of life. So when we can sit in a moment of clarity and of reflection and using that prefrontal cortex, plan out what we want to do the next time we're faced with that situation, we have a much better chance of handling the situation in in a much healthier way in the future. For example, I have several trips planned this summer. In fact, I'm recording this podcast episode early because we are going on a trip to visit family next week. And I'm kind of a homebody. I prefer staying home. I enjoy trips to an extent. And I, of course, I love seeing family and spending time with my family on these trips. So generally, I'm always happy that I went. But leading up to it, getting out to the trip is often pretty stressful for me. I have to pack for myself and my younger kids. I have to figure out what to do with the dogs and find a dog sitter. I have to get ahead on my work so that I don't get behind and It's just a lot. I'm sure a lot of you can relate. And I've noticed that the week or a few days before any vacation that we take, I tend to turn to comfort foods more often. 
I think because I'm dealing with kind of the stress and the anxiety of the upcoming trip. And so I've made some plans for myself that when that stress comes up and when I start worrying about everything I need to do to get ready and start feeling overwhelmed, I've decided for me, it's really effective to just go for a quick five to 10 minute walk around the block to kind of calm myself down. Or I might sit down and do a Sudoku puzzle or have a quick chat with my husband and see if there's anything that he can kind of help with or take off my plate. Or sometimes I just need to say a prayer or meditate a little bit to calm my mind down. I have some of these strategies in place that I know work to help calm myself down so that I don't just automatically turn to food to help calm my stress and anxiety. So hopefully you can use some of those strategies to help limit the emotional eating that you have going on in your life. One other thing I want to mention here before we sign off is that working on your habits and doing your best to take good care of your body just in general can really help keep emotions more stable and make it much less likely that you'll be faced with the temptation to emotionally eat later. So for example, eating regular meals throughout the day, staying hydrated, getting daily exercise, daily movement, spending some time outside in the sunshine and nature, getting enough sleep. These are all behaviors that are going to just help us naturally regulate our emotions. They're going to naturally help us reduce our stress and improve our moods and make it much less likely that we'll even be tempted to turn to food to help regulate our emotions. And of course, as always, please do not expect perfection. It's definitely going to take time to overcome emotional eating and to establish some different habits. Please go back and listen to my last episode, episode number 74, for some tips on what to do when you don't follow your plan perfectly, when you find yourself emotionally eating, even when you'd created your well-laid-out plan for how you're going to stop. This isn't something that is going to change overnight, for sure. It's going to take some time. Just be patient. Also, I know that this can be a really frustrating and particularly difficult area for a lot of women to deal with. So please, please do not hesitate to reach out for support whenever needed, whether that support comes from me, from another healthcare professional, or maybe you just have a friend or a loved one that you can ask to help support you on your journey. Just know that you don't have to struggle alone, that creating a support system can be so, so helpful. Also, you are always welcome to come on over to my private Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash finding true health. And pretty sure there's a link in the show notes if you just want to click on that link and join the group and come over there, share where you're struggling, seek the support of other women who are on the same journey as you trying to ditch diet mentality while still honoring their health and trying to improve their habits and their lifestyle along the way. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to have you here, to have you in my community, to have you listening to this podcast, caring for your body, caring for your health. I know that sometimes it can feel so hopeless and discouraging and frustrating when we're dealing with things like emotional eating, but I believe in you. I know personally that it is possible to change, that it is possible to take small steps towards overcoming some of these challenges and difficulties. And I want to encourage you to just please keep trying. Don't give up. I know that God is happy with effort and that even if we make a plan and we try our best and we mess up over and over day after day, 
as long as we're trying, I think that is the part that truly matters. And with patience and some effort, you can overcome these behaviors and these trials in your life. Thank you again so much for joining me today. I hope you have a fantastic week and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.